At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to Strange Familiars. How are you doing tonight, Allison? I'm doing well. Well, we've got two guests on tonight's show. We're going to be talking with Jen, who has a particularly intense Flannel Man account. As opposed to those very casual Flannel Man accounts. (laughs) And a little bit later, we'll be talking with Victor. He's going to share some strange experiences he's had in the woods in Pennsylvania. Before we get to that, I want to thank our patrons. Thank you so much, patrons. We could not do Strange Familiars without you. So I'd like to thank you for your support. If you like the show, if you like what we do, and you want to help us out, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. We have almost 70 patron shows right now. Getting close. Not there yet. We have close to 70 patron shows. As soon as you sign up on Patreon, get all those shows, and then we're adding more every month. There's different tiers of support there. You can check them all out at Patreon, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. If you don't like the idea of a monthly or yearly subscription like Patreon, you can make a one-time donation. Just go to the show notes at strangefamiliars.com. Look under any episode. Look for a paypal.me link. You can use that to make a one-time donation. And, of course, everyone can help by sharing the show on social media and liking and subscribing wherever you're listening whether that's a podcatcher or on YouTube, wherever it is. So let's get to this Flannel Man account. It's pretty scary. This happened when she was a little girl. 
she was playing in her neighborhood and there was this house that she thought was abandoned, except she would always see another little girl her age playing outside of it. Oh, this is like every creepy setup. (laughs) (laughs) So one day the girl invites her into the house. Oh, don't go in. No, I've seen this movie before. You can't go in. And it's very, very creepy. There's a flannel man. There's a prediction of something that comes true almost immediately after she's in there. It's a really, really cool story. You will hear Jen mention at some point that she has other encounters. After we recorded this interview, she decided she only wanted me to share the first encounter. So that's what those references are when she talks about other Flannel Man encounters. She did have them later on, but maybe we can get her to tell those on a later episode. But for now, she just wanted me to use this this first encounter from when she was a child. So let's go ahead and hear Jen's story. Okay, tonight we're talking with Jen, who has some Flannel Man experiences. Now, you were on another podcast telling your story, and then did did someone contact you and tell you about all the Flannel Man stories we had on Strange Familiars? Yeah, it's really weird because I never listen to paranormal podcasts, rarely ever. I've had a lot of experiences, and I guess it's just too real, Mm -hmm. and I don't like to scare myself, and I just you know, really don't listen. But this particular night, I had, I think I had run out of podcasts with COVID. And there was nothing. And I'm like, well, I kind of like, you know, weird legend stories and things like that. So I'll listen to one. And then they had asked, you know, if anybody has a strange Christmas story, you know, submit it. So I just sent an email of a story that I had had that happened at Christmas in 97. And they happened to read it. And I thought, oh, cool. They read my story. And I had never written into a podcast, any type of a podcast before. So what, you know, made me do this? I don't know. But I did. And they read it. And then I saw on a post, someone said, that's a flannel man experience. I think your listener submitted that. And if anyone's interested, listen to this podcast, yours, to find out, you know. Mm -hmm. And I thought what? You know, okay. And so I listened to all of the ones that you had, and I was blown away. I was like, I've not only had this one, but I've had multiple. Oh, wow. And I just didn't know that other people had seen this. That's generally the reaction people have. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't know this was something anybody else saw. I thought this was just a ghost in a flannel shirt or whatever, you know? Yes. Wow. And and with the, my other experiences, I had people, you know, a couple of them, people were with me. So mm-hmm. they, we saw him at the same time. Oh, that's and, wonderful. But yeah. I thought that was just us. Mm-hmm. I did not know that it was, I mean, it sounds national now. Um, and in different times and different places and different years. And it's just, it blew my mind. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, when we first started talking about it, I don't know if you heard, but my wife saw or one of them. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think they're the same guy. She saw one of them. And I started talking about that sort of as an example of like, you know, even skeptics see stuff because she she was, you know, she's quite the skeptic, but uh, more so then I think than now. I think she's talked to enough people on the podcast where her skepticism is a little more flexible, let's say, than it was before. (laughs) Right. 
then when people started contacting me and I, I had read somewhere that it was, it was a thing, but I didn't know how much a thing it was. And for a while there I was getting, honestly, I was getting at least one email a week of a new experience. It's slowed down a little bit now, uh, probably because we haven't done any dedicated shows in a while on it, but it's been amazing for me just to see how common it is for people to, to see. And again, it's not the same guy. Usually I sometimes say this guy, but you know, whatever these entities are, these fellows in, in plaid or, or checked shirts, it's incredibly common. And that's what's so weird because it, it is something recognizable. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, just a figure or something. I mean, it's, it's just so strange. It really it is. is. So as I make a podcast, I often tell people, I don't have time to listen to a lot of podcasts. So I didn't hear your story. So it'll all be new to me. You can start <laughs> start with whichever one you'd like to start with. I, I know you said you had a couple. Uh, I guess start with the first one and then we can go from there and I'll ask questions as we go along. I'll start with the first one. The one that I told on the other podcast was actually the third. Okay. So... I will start from the very beginning, which I was six years old. So this would have been 1978, long time ago. But uh, it was 1978. I was living in Ontario, California. At that time, we were in a brand new track of homes. They were just built. My parents had bought one. And our whole street was brand new. Every house had standard family, mom, dad, and a bunch of ki- and kids. So we, we were all new families. And they were all these single level homes. And so we always had all these kids to play with and just that normal California track home neighborhood. Okay. Mm-hmm. And at the very end of our street, we just, our street was just straight. The very end at the opposite corner was a field. And in that field was an old house that had not been developed yet. So that was, you know, still a field. I think it was developed in 1980. So like two years later. Actually, like looked up the street and everything. Like, what is there now? Oh, because wow. this really freaked me out. And I have never told anyone this story. I never told my parents. I never told anyone until just recently when I heard these flannel man experiences. I told my mom, and she was like, "Oh my gosh," because it's such a weird story. It's really bizarre. But there was this field at the end of our street that was not developed, and I could ride my bike from one corner to the opposite corner and I couldn't go any farther. And that was kind of my territory that I was allowed to ride my bike. So I would do that. And every once in a while I would see, and it was a really rundown house. It was kind of like in the middle of the field. And it was this just old abandoned house that was there. And even probably in its heyday, it wouldn't have been a nice house. It would have been still a really modest house, mm-hmm. you know, just a simple modest house, but it was pretty rundown. Like no one had lived in it. And it was just in the middle of like weeds and tumbleweeds in a field. Well, every once in a while, I would see this little girl running around in front of that house. And I thought, who lives there? You know, and I was always kind of really interested in like the little girl that lived in that house because it was you know, just kind of old and scary kind of looking, you know, just Mm -hmm. run down. It didn't look scary. It just was like, who lives in that house? But I would wave to her. She looked about my age and I would wave. And sometimes she would just stand there and sometimes she would wave back. And then she'd kind of skip along. You know how you see like a little girl kind of skipping Mm -hmm. and playing and she'd kind of skip and run back behind the house. 
And sometimes I'd ride my bike to that corner and I'd like motion, like, come over here, come play with me. Cause you know, this, I couldn't go past the corner, <laughs> even though it was just right there. Right. I couldn't, you know, and so I'd kind of motion like, come here, come play with me. And she never would. She would just kind of wave and run back behind the house. Well, one day it was like, um, probably a Saturday or Sunday. And my dad was working in the yard and, you know, just that normal day of a weekend. So it had to be a weekend because my dad was home and he was working in the yard and I'm riding my bike and no kids are out. And none of my friends are out. Nobody's outside. I'm riding my bike around and, and I go to that corner and she's standing out there and I'm waving and I'm kind of yelling like, come over here, come play with me. You know, you're like a six year, I was six, a six year old little girl wanting to play with this other little girl. And she does her hand motioning me to come over there. So I kind of look back and I can see my dad at the other end. We lived at the opposite corner, probably three houses in, and this was at the far one. And I can see him, you know, and I'm like, it's right here. I'm going to cross and go to her. So I cross the street and I'm in the field and I notice that it's really stickery, you know, like tumbleweedy and stickers and there's all this broken glass. So I'm kind of worried about my tires and I'm telling you this for later why this is significant okay. because there's all this glass and broken bottles. You know how you'll have like broken bottles in the field? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So there's these broken bottles and stuff in this field and I'm crossing it and I'm kind of looking down like, Oh, I'm riding my bike through glass and she's barefoot. And I'm thinking, how is she barefoot? There's all these stickers. I mean, I can feel them on my ankles. I'm wearing sandals. And she has this sundress on. She's wearing like this little light blue sundress and she has kind of blonde hair down to her shoulders. And she's a pretty little girl. You know, she's kind of this pretty little girl there. So I get up to her and she's smiling and I said, hi. And she says, hi. And she has this exaggerated smile, (laughs) really exaggerated. Just hi. And I said, how old are you? And she says, six. And I said, I'm six. And what's your name? And she told me her name twice. And I said, what? And it was like a, a name I hadn't heard before, like an exotic name kind of, or it might not have been. I just couldn't. It's like Lila or Delilah or something that I had not heard before. Right, and I yeah. wish I remembered her name. Yeah, you're six at this um, point. You probably weren't exposed yeah. to a ton of names and stuff. So, yeah. Right. So it sounded, you know, and so I just kind of, well, do you want to play? And she says, okay. And she runs back behind the house, that same thing she always did. So I put my bike down and I follow her behind the house. And we go behind the house and there's a, the door is open and there's a screen and we go inside and there's furniture in there. This is a house, you know, and we're in the kitchen. So when you went through the back, there is a kitchen in there and it's real, it's different than my house. It's real modest looking. There's a table. And if I look to toward the front of the house, there's a window and through that window, I can see down my street. So I'm like, oh, they could see me. You know, she could see if I'm riding my bike and stuff because mm-hmm. you can see all the way down my street. I noticed that. And at the sink, there's a lady standing at the sink and she's looking out the back window, like where we just came in. So she's looking out the back and she's at the sink. There's like a bowl on the table with 
three brown eggs. And that was weird to me because I'd never seen brown eggs. (laughs) Um, And I'd only seen white ones. And so I remember just looking like, okay, you know, and I was an observant detailed. I always looked at this stuff. So that was weird. Anyway, the woman at the sink is just standing there. And then she looks, she turns her head and slowly looks at us in this weird, slow way. And she has dark hair. It's in this kind of disheveled bun. And I said, hi, I'm Jennifer. I live down this. I'm six years old. You know how you're a kid and you introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah. And I said, I'm six. I live down there. My name is, you know, I'm talking. And she doesn't say anything. She just keeps looking at us. She doesn't say anything. And the minute we entered that kitchen, it's, it's all wrong. Something is all wrong. It just feels wrong. And first of all, I entered a stranger's house, which I wasn't allowed to do. Mm-hmm. I followed this little girl. And it's weird. Instantly weird. It gives me the chills to even talk about it. It's so scary. And she just stares, doing nothing, saying nothing. Her expression doesn't change. And she has a similar dress on that the girl has. They both kind of have this kind of like sundresses that are like linen material, mm-hmm. cottony, I guess. And she's also barefoot standing at the sink. And so then she just turns back and looks out the window doing the same thing. So I look at the little girl, and she's still smiling. She still has that grim smile. And when one of your uh, listeners talked about the grinning smile man, mm-hmm. yeah. it made me think of that little girl with the exaggerated grin. Right. And it was, like, so freaky. I was like, oh, my gosh. Because she's just it was not normal. And I said, well, do you want to play? And where's your room? Like, let's see your toys. I mean, that's kind of what kids do. Right. You You go in, you go to the room. Where's your toys? And I said, where's your room? And she says, here. And I said, no, your your room. Like, we're in the kitchen. Where's your room? Here. And I said, well, where's your toys? Where do you sleep? And she runs across the kitchen and she ducks into this, like, little hole, cubby thing. So I follow her and I sit in there and it's under the stairs. You know how you have that like indention under the stairs with yeah. the slanted ceiling. Yeah. And so we're sitting under there and she just sits down and I'm like, well, this, is, this isn't your room. And she's just smiling. So I think like she's being funny or she's tricking me or I don't know what we're sitting on the floor under the stairs in the kitchen, right behind the woman at the sink now. And right up, I look to my right, I kind of turn my head, and there's now a man standing there. And it's the man in the jeans and the flannel shirt, and he's really tall, because now we're on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. sitting, I mean, it's just, it's just so weird. We're sitting there, and I look up, and I see he's standing over us, and he's just staring down at me. And his hands are just to his side. He's not holding anything. He's not doing anything. His hands are just hanging there at his side. And it was a weird posture. Like even at six years old, everything about what was going on in that kitchen was all wrong. The posture, the how they were acting, everything. 
And so I'm waiting for him to say something to us. And he's like, oh, that maybe that's her dad. Who is that? And he's just standing over us. And then the woman at the sink turns around. She turns around and she kind of looks at him. It like makes me shake right now. It's so weird. She like looks at him like, oh, like, like annoyed. Mm-hmm. You know how like sometimes you'll go out with a couple and they're mad at each other and they're, but they're not saying anything. Yeah. yeah. It's like, she looked at him like annoyed. And then she looks directly at me and they're all looking at me and I turn and I look at the girl like, help me out here. You know, <laughs> like what, what's going on with your parents? Like, I am so scared at this moment because I, the, and she does the same thing. That's what was so weird. She turns around, her hands are directly at her side too. His hands are at his side. They're just standing there and they're both just staring at us. And I look at her and her grin is just smiling, just really big. And I'm frozen. I'm completely frozen. I want to leave. I want to run. I want to get out. And I'm frozen, but not physically, just mentally mm-hmm. frozen because it's scary. And I don't know if it came from her, like the, the uh, woman at the sink, but in my mind at that time, that's who said it. And it was just get out really loud, like get out. Wow. And I jump up and I head for the door. And the little girl says, don't go. Your dad's going to hit you with a rock and laughs. Wow. And I run out the door. And I go back to my bike and I'm kind of just really shaking and I'm running towards my bike. And when I laid my bike down, it was facing the house. So as I pick it up, the man now is about six feet in front of me. And there's no way he could have got out the other. He, he came through a side door. There was a side door where he came through, you know, out the side of that house. Mm-hmm. And actually behind him, I saw like crates of fruit and things out there that was weird that wasn't there when later but he would have had to go he could have he could have gone out that door but there's no way he wasn't moving so it wasn't like he was walking towards me or running at the same time he just was there just boom right there in front of me so I pick up my bike and I'm looking at him like waiting like a kid would do thinking that he's going to say something or just waiting for him to say something to me. Mm-hmm. We're not sure if he is going to scold me or I don't know. He's just standing there with that same stance. He doesn't do anything except he moves his chin up, like as if you were motioning, go on or go, mm-hmm. you know, that you know, with your chin up. And so I get on my bike. I couldn't even get on my bike. I just pushed it you know, ran holding it through the field. I got on my bike once I hit the sidewalk and I'm riding home and all I can think about is they can see me because I remembered that window and then I remembered he was standing there. So as I'm riding home, I'm like, they're looking at me, they're looking at me, they're looking at me. You know, they can see me. And that was just so horrible. And I can see my dad, I can hear him, he's mowing the lawn. I can hear the lawnmower. I can see him. Now, all I want to do is get into my garage so that they can't see me because, you know, 
oh, it's just awful. So I'm riding, and right as I get to my house, it slows down. It's like time just slowed way down. And I hear this clunk, clunk, clunk sound. And right then, a rock comes out of the lawnmower and hits me in the head. Oh, my goodness. And my dad saw it, and I put my hand up to my head, and it's bleeding. You know, as I stop my bike, my head is bleeding. And I went ballistic. I went crazy. I went, I was just screaming. It was this anxiety and fear, and this girl said that to me. It was almost like she was making fun of me or something or taunting. Like, I was hysterical. And my mom comes running out. She's like, what happened? What happened? And all I could say was, Dad hit me with a rock. Dad hit me with a rock. My dad's going, a rock came out of the lawnmower. Okay, I didn't hit her with a rock. And and I'm just screaming. And it it didn't hurt as much as, or it didn't warrant that kind of scream. Right. Or that kind of just utter hysteria that I was in because of all of that anxiety, I think. And so they put me on the kitchen counter, you know, they carry me in. My mom puts me on the kitchen counter. She's looking, you know, it, it kind of like this rock came out and just kind of brushed the side of my head and kind of sliced it. You know, it didn't even really hurt. It was just so I felt it, but it it didn't hurt as much as I was carrying on. I mean, they thought I was dying. Mm hmm. I was just screaming and that that girl said that to me, right? Your dad is going to hit you with a rock. And so I never said anything. I didn't, I didn't say anything. I felt like I broke the rules. I was told not to go there. I went into a stranger's house and this is what happened. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing was, is that when I was sitting on the floor in that kitchen, I didn't think these are bad people. These are kidnappers these are ghosts these are uh, my my word that came to my mind was monsters i'm with monsters that's how i said it in my mind at that time these are monsters and so i thought i went into a house with monsters and that's what happens when you go to the edge of the world and you don't listen to your parents it's kind of like when you're a teenager and told don't hang out with those people Mm mm-hmm and then you do, and you're like, I shouldn't have done that. Right. That's how it was to me. So I'm guessing you, you didn't tell anybody because you'd get in trouble for going into the house you weren't supposed to go into if you told people. Yeah, and I was kind of embarrassed that I did it. Mm-hmm. You know, even six years old, like, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, okay. That, you know, like, I, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Like that was a big mistake of going into, that's why you don't go into strangers' homes. Mm -hmm. They're bad people. It's scary. So it wasn't paranormal at that point. It was monsters or scary people or just something that was not normal. Mm -hmm. It was not normal. And they were weird. I didn't want anything to do with it. Nothing. And it scared me. Well, A few days later, my dad was getting ready for work and I was ready for school and it's a normal morning. And uh, I was sitting on their bed. They had like a, you know, the big 70s style water bed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sitting on their 
I wish I had one of those now. (laughs) (laughs) They are kind of cool. Um, But I was sitting on their waterbed and my dad was getting ready for work and he had just gotten new contact lenses. And so he's at the sink and I'm staring at him. He's in the bathroom and his side is to me and he's looking at himself in the mirror and he's trying to put on these contact lenses and he's kind of mad and like, ah, dang it, you know, and can't get these contacts in. And I'm just sitting on the bed talking to him and behind him, I see this black swirl on the floor by the shower. And it looks like, and I've heard people on your podcast describe this, it looks like water blacker than black, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it starts kind of doing this little swirl and it goes up and it's getting bigger. And I'm waiting for my dad to notice this. Like, don't you see what's right beside you? And he's not. And I'm mesmerized and it gets bigger and bigger and it kind of forms into this figure and it gets taller and taller, almost like what a cobra would do. Okay. You know, like kind of goes up and then kind of spreads out really big and it lets out this scream, the screech. It sounds like when a cat gets its tail stepped on, mm-hmm. like rawr. And, it, and my dad does not flinch. He doesn't flinch. He doesn't move. He doesn't notice it. Nothing. Just nothing. And it's right there. And I'm just staring at this thing. And at that moment, I thought, I brought monsters to the house. Oh, yeah. Is what I thought happened. Because mm-hmm. he didn't move. And, he, and then he shuts off the light. He just turns off the light and goes, okay, let's go. And... I bolted out the door like, you're not leaving me in here by my fur, you know, (laughs) after you. I just kind of ran out the door. It was just this black figure behind my dad in the bathroom. And so I don't know what that was. I've never seen that again, never in my life. But I saw it two days after going to that house. Yeah, that's super interesting. Did you ever see that little girl again? No. I never saw her again. I would look over there. Um, at first, I'd try not to. I'd ride my bike and like didn't look. And then sometimes I'd just kind of glance over there. Mm-hmm. But I never saw her again. I told my dad I didn't like the people that lived in that house. And he would say, nobody lives there. Nobody lives there. And I said, yes, there are people that there's a little girl and she's mean and kind of like that. And he said, nobody lives in that house. And we walked over there. We were walking the dog and we walked over there and he went around that house because I finally told him I went in it. I said, I went in that house and there were people in there. And he goes, you went in that house. And I said, well, yeah, there's a little girl. You know, I did not tell him what happened, mm-hmm. but I did tell him I went, there's a little girl. I don't like her because we were walking the dog over there. And I said, I don't want to go by that house. I don't like the little girl that lives there type of thing. And he walked around it and I stayed way back. I don't want to go over there. I don't want to go over there. And he walked around and said, nobody lives there. And I said, there were people in there. And I remember he said, they were probably dopers. (laughs) That's the word he used. (laughs) He goes, there's probably some dopers hanging out in there, you know? And then again, I was with my friend's dad and there was a bunch of people that were shooting off like rockets and stuff in that field. Mm-hmm. We're doing something like that. And we walked over there and I walked around kind of way back and saw the back of that house. 
and there was no screen. The back of the house was completely not even the same. It was really broken down. The screen wasn't there because we went in through a screen door. That wasn't there. And as I looked in, there wasn't anything in there. There was no furniture. There wasn't anything in there. And then the crates of fruit that I saw all on the side and like the hay, that wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So that really disturbed me. Like, where did it go? Or where did they go? Or maybe they moved or maybe they left. But now I'm going, I don't think I saw, I think I saw something completely different. I think I saw. Yeah. Almost like a, like a time slip or something like you walked into another time. Yeah. That's so strange. Very, very chilling story. Terrifying. Mm. Yeah. It was, it's terrifying to think of now Mm -hmm. because I can remember looking with that, with the dad, especially the other dad, when my friend's dad, when we went and I went around to the back and there was like junk in there, like almost like kids had hung out in there and stuff. It was not a family living in there. There's no way. Um, There wasn't a table. There wasn't the furniture. There wasn't, and there wasn't a screen. That door wasn't even there. And the windows were kind of broke. I mean, this was a rundown shack at this point. Mm -hmm. It was not house. And I remember even following, and I followed the little girl being surprised that the back of the house looked normal. Because the front of the house, whenever I saw this, who would live there? And then when I followed her around, it was a normal house in the back with a normal screen door and a kitchen. Hmm. And a table, and there was like a bowl with eggs in it, and there was a window, and there was like two chairs in the living room. It was still modest. It wasn't, you know, anything extravagant. But... It was like somebody lived there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so chilling, though. How many times do you think you saw her before you actually went over that day? At least 10 times or more. I would ride my bike and see her, and she'd be skipping along. She kind of did the same thing. She'd be skipping along, and she'd wave, and she was just this little blonde girl, and she said she was six, so she was my age. And she was a really cute, pretty little girl. She talked, but she only said one word until the whole sentence of, you don't go, your dad's going to hit you with a rock. That was the longest thing she said. Wow. Everything else was okay or here. And that was it. And then when she ducked into that thing and we're just sitting in there, it was just so weird. Yeah. Like, why are we sitting under the stairs? Oh, it was just when I said, where do you sleep? Well, where's your, I said, where's your room? Or, well, no, where do you sleep? I kept having to explain this. And I'm like, what's wrong? Where's your toys? Mm-hmm. You know, kids go into someone's house. You instantly want to see, you know, yeah. what kind of toys do you have? I yeah, mean, that's exactly. normal. Yeah. So that's kind of what I was, all right, we're playing. And, but here's a really weird thing is why I brought up the glass. Because It was probably a week or two later. We moved that summer. So I know that all of this happened close together because we moved when I was six in that summer and I started first grade at another school. Mm -hmm. This was it, you know, when I was going into first grade and we had moved that summer. So this had to be a week or two after this. And I'm sleeping. It's the middle of the night. And my mom comes in my room in a panic. Where's your brother? Where's your brother? Where's your brother? And my brother was three and he's gone. And 
they're up and it's the middle of the night and he's gone and the dog is gone and they're panicking, you know, and they're running around and he's not there and the door's open, the front door is unlocked. So they're like, oh my gosh, he went out the house. So they're like, you stay here, you stay here, don't go outside. And they go outside and they close the door and I'm standing in the living room and I'm looking out the window and I can't see anything. It's dark. And it seemed like an eternity because I was just standing there in the house by myself. And then I hear talking and I hear my mom and I kind of hear my brother kind of whining. I'm like, oh, you know, he was outside. So she comes in and he's got the leash in his hand. <laughs> you know, he never attached it to the dog, <laughs> but he took the leash and he took the dog and he went out, out in the middle of the night. And why you would do this, I don't know, um, but he's three. And my mom's scolding him. You don't go outside. You don't leave the house. I mean, she's, she's kind of that mad mom who is scared. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, ah, you know, but she's terrified. So she comes in and, and she takes the dog and she's like, you go to bed and you don't go outside. And she's really upset. And the dog walks across the kitchen floor and I see bloody footprints, just bloody and not just a little bit of blood, but a full print. You know, this dog's feet are bleeding. Mm. And I go, I go, what happened to the dog? And so my mom, oh gosh, you know, she didn't notice he was bleeding until we got in the house. She kind of looks, she goes, he must have stepped in glass. Well, that means that he was over in that field. Seems like And it, yeah. I remember, and I remember just... <gasps> Like, why at three in the morning did my brother go outside with the dog and walk to the field? Right. It just, it scared me so much at that time. Like, why? Like, it's terrifying anyway, but in the middle of the night, in the dark? Yeah, that's odd. Isn't that creepy? Oh, yeah, very. The whole story is creepy. I mean, the whole story, I'm, (laughs) I'm literally getting chills from the whole story. But that's a very disturbing detail, you know. When anything, anytime there's kids involved in these stories, anyway, I find them particularly creepy. But that was he lured out there in some way, you know? It, I know. Yeah. And and the dog, you know, because that in my mind, I knew where glass was. Mm-hmm. You know, the glass was in that field, and there wasn't glass on our street. It was in that. So I'm thinking he was in that field, and I just. I was terrified and, you know, he goes to bed. I asked him, you know, I said, where was he? Where was he? And my mom's like, go to bed, go to bed. You know, I'm like, she's just go that's to a, bed. Yeah, that's enough for tonight. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone in bed, nobody leaves the house. You know, she's dealing with this dog that went through glass and, you know, she's not in the mood because I'm like, where was he? But I heard her talking to my grandmother and, you know, friends about this event. And she said that he was at the end of the street and the dog was circling him, growling, like wouldn't let anyone near him, even her. Wow. It was just circling him, like, like protecting him. And she goes, thank God he had the dog with him because the dog was walking this big circle around him and wouldn't let anyone near him. Wow. So the dog was acting out of character. This was an old English sheep dog. You know, Mm. they're kind of mellow and mild and, you know, not this kind of doy-de-doy, you know. And it was circling him and wouldn't let anyone near him. And so 
it was like on alert and she was like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, come on. And she, you know, got them home. But I heard her tell that story a lot. Like it was so weird. And the dog was just protecting him and walking around the big circle around him. Wow. And uh, yeah. And so then I, I asked my brother like the next, where did you go? And he pointed down there, you know, to the, and I said, what did you see? Where'd you, he was three. (laughs) He didn't help me at all. He didn't Mm -hmm. explain anything. And he, to this day, you know, he's just, he's one of those people that doesn't even remember kindergarten. You know, he doesn't remember things. Like I remember all details, my brother, some people just don't remember childhood and stuff. And he's one of those people. So he has no memory of that event, but I would love to know. Yeah. Why did you go down there? Yeah. What are the events that preceded them finding him with the dog walking around him growling? That's incredibly interesting. Yes. And that he at three and I mean, my son would have not left the house at three years old and walked down the street Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night. I know some kids do, but not many kids would do that. And and especially to a dark field. Yeah. Did he ever have any other instances of sleepwalking or any, any weird stuff like that? No, he would take off sometimes. Like I know that when he was younger, when he was like five, he'd always run to the store and like for candy, you know, Mm -hmm. he'd take off to the store to get candy and stuff, but not in the middle of the night like that, Right. but not sleepwalking or anything. No. It was just really weird. It was really bizarre. And at the time, I remember going, that's where the glass was. Mm-hmm. And, and being, that scaring me. Like, why did my brother go down there? Right. That's a lot yeah. to process for, for a little girl. We've had other instances of these, you know, flannel man entities predicting the future and stuff and and while it seems like it wasn't him like it was whoever this little girl was let's say it was his daughter Mm -hmm. or or whatever accurately predicted the future do you process that at all as a little girl or or is it much later that that kind of information settles in and you go oh whoa that is because that is a very very strange part of the story at the time i processed it i was mad at her oh really saying that I thought I don't like her she's mean and I and I was like hysterical like she was making fun of me because she knew I'd get hit with the rock that's how I processed the time Mm -hmm. like kind of because she laughed even she said your dad's gonna hit you with a rock and then she did this little laugh at the end and so then when I'm riding home I'm scared and it was I felt time slow down it was like this (laughs) Like it actually like to where it all happened in slow motion. And then when it hit me, it was like I I was screaming because it was like I was so mad. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I don't know why I I, that was the emotion I had. Mm -hmm. Like she did it to me. I felt like she did it Um, because she said that to me, because when she first said it, I was like, I don't think I processed it at the time she said it until it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I was, I was, I was going out the door. It was like, my dad doesn't hit me with a rock, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, it seems like a, you know, not possible. Right. And yeah. then <laughs> he did, it came out of the lawnmower <laughs> and it hit me in the head. And so when I told my mom that story later, 
and here's the interesting thing. People have asked me, did you ever, you know, and, and when you're talking among friends or just normal conversation, like, have you ever thought about something and then it happens? I would say that I knew a rock was going to hit me and it hit me, mm-hmm. but I didn't tell them how I knew that. Right, right. I would just say, yeah, well, you know, there was this weird time and I don't know, I was, I thought of one that a rock was going to come out of the lawnmower and then it did. I'm like, oh, that's weird. But I never said why. <laughs> it was like, well, I didn't really think that somebody told me that. But I still don't know how to process that. Yeah. Honestly, it's scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, there's so much to this part of the story. I don't mean to over-focus on the, the Flannel Man character, but because we, we're talking about Flannel Man, do you remember any other details other than the, the jeans and the and the check shirt? And, and was the check shirt red and black, or, or was it another color? Yes, it was red and black. Mm-hmm. It, it looked just like the description. He, he does. A lot of people say that he has, like, more, like, tan boots. He, it, they were black. He had okay. black boots on. And he had dark hair, and he didn't have a full beard. He had, like, a shadow of beard. Okay. It was a short beard. It was still hair there and whiskers, but... Some people have described a full beard. It wasn't full. And that's how I, I saw, I've, you know, the times I've seen him, it's been the same, that shadowy beard. Interesting. It's still very much like a lumberjack would look. Mm-hmm. That same, yes, but not old, younger. You know, he could have been the age of that girl's dad. Mm-hmm. I would say 30s, but not an older man. So that was the description. Yeah, he fit that, that completely. And and the uh, the other odd thing is that everything in the house is muted. Her dress was muted. The mom and he stood out. He was like shiny. If that like he was in like living color. Oh, interesting. He stood out. He he was very shiny is the best way I can describe, you know, like a black and white film and then there's the red. Right. Oh, like, that's interesting. You know, he he stood out. They were muted. They were in like muted dresses. The house was muted. The furniture, everything was like muted. But he was bright. He was in full color and detail more like a shiny person. That's the best way I can describe it. Wow, The whole thing is just super creepy. Wow. What? It is creepy and it's weird. And there are apartments there now. And I would love like, has nobody ever seen anything? Or I would love if anyone in that neighborhood at that time ever saw anything in that field. Yeah, I'd love to just be able to ask people, yes. you know, just like, did you see anything at all? Right. So if anybody calls in going, I lived on that street and I remember that How? Oh, gosh, that would be like the best. Did you say um, what part of California this was? Ontario. Okay, you did say that. Yep. Sorry. Yep. Gotcha. Ontario. And then, you know, for my brother to take off at three in the morning and walk the dog down there and then the dog reacting in this very bizarre way. The whole thing was weird. Yeah. So was he close to that house? then? when you say he walked down the street, how close were we? I, I was, was he close? Was he walking in the direction of that house when, when he walked with the dog? He, he must've went into that field cause that's where the glass was. Mm-hmm. You know, he must have been in there. And my mom, when my mom went to go get him, he was at the end of the street. So he wasn't in the field at that time. He was on the asphalt, but he was all the way at the end, like where that field was. Okay. So basically closer to that house than he would have been 
if he was outside of your house, for instance? Oh, yeah, because we lived on the opposite corner. Okay. So you had to walk at least 12 houses to get to that field. Okay, gotcha. I'm, I'm getting a better picture of it now. Okay, so he was, he yeah. essentially walked in that direction one way or the other. I mean. Yes, there wasn't. Because if you, we lived on like one corner and at the very end of our street on the opposite corner was that field. Okay. Wow. So you had to walk all the way down our street. It was at the end of our street. So yeah, he was probably 12 houses away. Yeah, that's super creepy. And yes. boy, I would love to know what like he wasn't that. just in the front yard. He was right. all the way down the, the block. Wow. At that field, because I would ride my bike all the way to the end of the corner and then turn around right all the way back. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was at the opposite end. Like our street kind of dead ended to that field. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And it just was a field that hadn't been developed yet. It was all new homes and you know how that is. But he walked all the, and he's three. That's a long walk for a three-year-old anyway. Yes, it is. And then to do that in the middle of the night at three in the morning in the dark. And he took the dog. He did take the dog and he did have the leash in his hand. Well, I... Because I remember when he walked in and I was like, he didn't even put the leash on the dog. You know, I remember that bothering me. <laughs> I mean, thank goodness, though, because, you know, yes. who knows what yeah. without the doggy. You know, it sounds like the dog was being protective. The dog must have been spooked by something mm-hmm. for it to act that way. So it was it it was creepy and it, it bothered me a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It bothers me now hearing about it. I mean, it's super interesting, but it's super creepy. Like I said, I I don't generally like yeah. any time anytime I get stories where things are beckoning children or or calling to children mm-hmm. or anything like that. Those are like my least favorite. I like immediately just don't like those. But you know, they're incredibly oh, yeah. interesting at the same time. It's, it's really really interesting. Yeah, and he didn't have any memory of it. He seemed perfectly fine. You know, like. Yeah, I went and walked the dog, and I'm like, where did you go? And he, I said, did you go down? And he pointed, yeah, I went down there. Huh. What did you see? I walked the dog. You know, I mean, it was like nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, well, don't ever go down. I'm like, don't ever walk down there. You know, I mean, I was terrified. Yeah. Like, don't go down there. But no, I never saw the girl again. There was never, there wasn't anyone in that house. There, nobody lived there. I mean, I was. They were. They kept saying nobody lives there. Nobody like stop it. Yeah. So it was weird. Well, thank you once again for sharing your stories, Jen. Thank you. Bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, next we're going to hear from Victor. He's been on the show before. He was one of the people that saw disembodied legs running through the woods. I love when he, he was one of the people who saw disembodied legs. <laughs> it's a thing. There's more than one. But this is not a disembodied legs experience. This is an experience he's been having in a particular place in Pennsylvania. He came to hike there, then he camped out there and had this series of weird experiences, screams, weird lights, finding skulls and bones, checks a lot of boxes. So we'll go ahead and hear Victor's story. I'd like to welcome Victor back to the show, who's bringing us some more strangeness. You were on previously with one of the disembodied leg stories, right? Yes, I was. Thanks for having me back. Oh, glad to have you back, and thanks for returning to us with more stories. I, I really like that. I always encourage guests, like, hey, if anything else weird happens, you know where we live. This has to do with some weirdness in Pennsylvania, right? Mm-hmm. This is uh, from northern Pennsylvania. I think it's Potter's County. Okay. Uh, I had this, uh, I had an inkling of, uh, about a year ago to start uh, doing some hiking in uh, Pennsylvania. I live in upstate New York, so uh, it's a bit of a drive. So I wanted to go for something easily within reach. I started looking up some uh, hiking trails in the area. And I kind of just chose this one out of a hat. And now I've been back to it uh, three or four times. And I've got a variety of stories to share from there. Okay, so... Did you go back because weird stuff happened and you're like, oh, I want to explore that more? Uh, the first time, uh, not too much happened, but I just had a very nice feeling from the place. And it w it seemed like a nice place to do a, a regular, maybe yearly hike. The second time was when uh, odd things started picking up, potentially. So this place was about a few miles east of Cherry Springs. So if you're into stargazing at all, you've probably heard of it. Cherry Springs is one of the, I think, best known and uh, darkest stargazing places on the East Coast. Okay, yeah, yeah, actually, I'm, I haven't been, but I'm familiar with it. Uh, if you get the chance, it's absolutely wonderful if you can stay after dark. So the first time I went there was, I believe, uh, fall of 2019. And I've been I just uh, found Strange Familiars, I think that's... Probably that season. I think I found it that fall. Mm -hmm. And I decided I would uh, take a page from your book. And as I went into the woods, I just kind of put out there that I'd love to be able to find some bones. Oh, Skulls boy. specifically, but I'm not going to be too picky. Right, right. 
And spoiler alert, nothing really happened that time. I didn't actually find any bones. I just had a lovely hike through the woods. This place, if you ever get a chance uh, and you're in the area, it's a beautiful hike anytime uh, after mid-spring to into uh, fall. It's really not a strenuous hike, so I have been keeping it in my back pocket as a place to bring uh, friends who aren't too into hiking or camping but uh, want to give it a try. Right, right. So first time, nothing really happens. I at the end of my hike, I just kind of uh, found a little glen, knelt down, and <laughs> it sounds a little silly saying, but almost did like a little ritual thanks offering. Just uh, poured out a little bit of the uh, tea I brought in my thermos, uh, left a little bit of the food I brought in apple, and went on my way. Then about, I think this was May of 2020, I uh, decided to go for uh, another hike there. This time, uh, it was beautiful, verdant uh, summer, summer's day. I uh, start to get uh, into the place. About three miles in, it's about a seven-mile loop and all. About three miles in, I notice a, um, like a big plug of deer hair pulled out and uh, just sitting in the middle of the trail. So, you know, that kind of makes you perk up and start looking around. Mm-hmm. And then in the next maybe... 50 yards, I found three, no, four uh, rib bones from what looked like a juvenile deer and a uh, set of mandibles, also from the from a deer. All of these had been just kind of laid out, almost equidistant from each other, down the middle of the trail. And all of them were very clean, had very little gunk on them. I barely needed to clean them at all when I took them, out, took them home. So I thought, wow, maybe that, <laughs> maybe last time worked. Right. And uh, yeah. yeah, I found something exactly like uh, what I was asking for. So I put those in my bag, uh, continued hiking. Then over the next maybe quarter, half a mile, I just kept finding more and more bones. They were getting increasingly gory over time, which is <laughs> a little disconcerting now that I say it out loud found maybe a coccyx of a uh, small animal, which still had some uh, gunk and flies on it. Then what looked like a, a shoulder a shoulder joint, and the limb had been snapped off and the uh, marrow eaten out. But again, all of these I keep finding just in the absolute middle of the path. Wow. Okay, so, and these appear to be from different animals. Yeah, the first set were all, I think, from the same... Uh, deer but i couldn't swear to it mm-hmm. but then next looked like it might be a possum or a raccoon right then this was all a one mile stretch where all of this where i was finding all this stuff and as i'm getting towards the end of that uh we're starting to head up the hill back uh, up the mountain here and i see white on the trail ahead and i think i'm gonna find more bones but i realize it's kind of shiny in, in its appearance so I kneel down, and it's this laminated index card that has a message on it that it turned out uh, somebody in a neighboring town had uh, tied a message to a balloon, set it up into the air. Maybe, I think it's dated about a year and a half prior. <laughs> and it had just hung out, in the, it had gotten caught in the tree, hung out in the tree, and then fallen down at just the right time to land in the dead center of the trail for me to find. <laughs> So I don't know if this is uh, reaching too much, but when I subscribed to your uh, to your uh, Patreon, I found the airship show is one of my absolute favorites. I'm just a sucker for all things aviation related. 
I found that the town that the the first accounts uh, you read on that uh, show of uh, an airship sighting was actually the same town it was sent from. So oh, I don't really? know if we want to. Yeah, I don't know if we want to reach so far as to call that a synchronicity, but it's kind of that re- recurring motif of messages dropped from the sky. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. So yeah. Did, did the message say anything particularly meaningful, or was it just like, "Hey, this is my this is where we sent it from," or something like that? No, just a, if you find this, please uh, send us a message so we know how far it went. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was about all that happened that time. I just left with this very uh, positive feeling from the place. It seemed almost very welcoming, like nothing happened the first time. But, you know, we recognize you. You seem cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot of bones. As a yeah. guy who finds bones pretty consistently, that's a lot of bones to find on one hike. Yeah, and it was all spaced out in the same... Uh, about one mile stretch mm-hmm. and nothing too much more from that time as i continued on actually no one other thing as i continued on uh as i'm heading up the mountain i start to well i heard this big whomp sound come from uh just off my left it sounded maybe like 10 feet away from me i look up of course there's you know nothing there it sounded like something very heavy had just fallen out of a tree but no disturbance no leaves no tree had fallen just one of those things that makes you suddenly perk up and start looking around. And a another uh, instance where a, a small bird actually found me, started walking in front of me, and just kind of hopped and flew in front of me, uh, leading me along for about ten minutes. you remember what kind of bird it was? Uh, something yellow. I don't recall uh, directly. Okay. Yeah. So that's all that happens uh, my second time. My third time happens in October of 2020, early October. Uh, I had a friend who's uh, from the city and he had wanted to, he had asked me if I could take him uh, camping sometime. So I, as I said, I kept this kind of in my back pocket as a place to bring people since it's not uh, too difficult to hike, but it's, there's a lot of uh, bang for your buck in terms of uh, foliage and sights to see. Mm-hmm. So we uh, start the hike and I'm kind of hoping nothing terribly weird is going to happen if so i'm expecting maybe we'll find uh, more bones because this place has uh sort of piqued my interest at this point then we uh complete the the trail the loop the uh, trail is a loop which goes about seven miles so we complete the loop and then come about three miles back uh to where we decide we're going to camp since this is just east of cherry springs i decided to bring my digital camera and a tripod so we found a spot where the canopy parted just enough where I'd be able to get some long exposure uh, shots of the sky. As it turns out that this this place was right in the middle of where I kept finding the bones, just by happenstance. Mm-hmm. We uh, bed down maybe around uh, 5 p.m. Nothing happens really throughout the hike. It was just a nice day. We bed down, and our plan is to go to sleep, set an alarm, get up around maybe uh, 10 o'clock, go out and take pictures. This is on the north side of the mountain, and this is October, so things got things were basically full dark by 6 or 7 o'clock. We were right in the shadow of the mountain above us. So we have uh, pitched camp. We've gotten into our sleeping bags, and the night is absolutely silent. That much, that I remember very, <laughs> very explicitly. It's uh, quiet enough that really the only sounds you're hearing are uh, leaves falling. This is... Uh, the beginning of October, so there's a, and it hadn't rained in a, in a while, so there's this uh, solid layer of dead leaves on the ground. 
And I was grateful for that because if anything uh, came into our campsite or started walking up on us, we'd be able to hear it right. uh, like hundreds of feet away. All that day, we'd been actually hearing deer before we were seeing them. It was uh, that quiet and that dry. It's just after, after nightfall, full dark, and then we hear this uh, scream come off from the east. I, I'm not even sure if I should call it a scream because if it weren't for the situation, it actually would have been rather beautiful. But I've never heard anything like it. It was when I first heard it, my immediate thought wasn't uh, Bigfoot or and it wasn't owl. It was actually Bigfoot hunters because it sounded like somebody doing a uh, Bigfoot shriek out into the woods. Okay. It sounded explicitly human to me. It sounded like somebody doing first a maybe a, a monkey call and then a a wolf. So. Uh, I guess I can uh, try to imitate it. I won't really do it justice, but it was kind of this. Which, the force behind it was really what got me. It, and it just sounded, it sounded like a uh, trained vocalist. So with me, obviously, it goes into a, a uh, thin falsetto, but this sounded like uh, whoever was making that call, it sounded like their natural uh, vocal range. It sounded like a like a soprano, right? <laughs> like a a woman just uh, holding a note out into the woods after the uh, kind of monkey ow wow wow. At that point, I kind of just uh, sit up in my sleeping bag and just kind of laugh it off. Go okay, I'm willing to write that off as you know a species of owl I'm not familiar with, but we're all kind of we're both alert at that point. Yeah, yeah, that'll get you. <laughs> I think it was about 30, 40 seconds after that, we hear the second one. I should say the first one uh, sounded like it was coming from maybe the next mountain over to the east. It was uh, echoing down through the hollow that we were in. The second one, however, this one was a exact duplicate, first off, of the call that we just heard in absolutely every way. It was, it was the same uh, pitch, the same timing, the same cadence. It sounded like a second uh, playthrough of a uh, recording almost. It was so indistinguishable, except this one sounded like it was coming from maybe a hundred feet away from our camp. I hear that so often where people will hear that one scream mm-hmm. and then the other one is like way closer you know, oh, suddenly, yeah. like, like something's been in position, you know? Yeah. It sounded like the, uh, the communications network opening up for the night. <laughs> That's right, uh, yeah. what I immediately started thinking. It sounded like it was just up the hill from us, maybe 100 feet. If it had been daytime, I'm confident I would have been able to see whatever was making that mm. if I uh, stuck my head out the tent. At that point, I sit up in my uh, sleeping bag and say, okay, what the hell? <laughs> <And> <laughs> my, friend, my friend hisses at me, is that a person? Because it just it sounds like a person. It, it has the power behind it that makes you not believe for a second that this is a bird. I've, you know, I grew up in upstate new york in a very rural area i've heard owls all my life through the uh through the night as well i've heard owls in pennsylvania i've never heard an owl that could project like that though yeah never anything that had that weight and force behind it or sounded quite that human Mm -hmm. at that point i'll admit i'm holding my hunting knife to my chest like it's a teddy bear (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't blame you and and the fellow you're with he's not been camping before uh, if he had camped before, it was uh, when he was quite young, so not within his adult life. <laughs> is, is he getting angry with you at this point? <laughs> I think he was starting to. <laughs> I'm, 
I still honestly feel bad because I selected this spot as a nice, easy hike and a nice right. uh, place to go for a, a first-time uh, camp in Europe. <laughs> and this is what we get. Right. And after this, we get a third call, which comes from, it sounds like the northeast, maybe way, way off. This one luckily wasn't any closer. This one sounded like it was coming from, could have been miles away. I'm, you know, you can't really tell, but yeah, yeah. more distant than the uh, first one. <laughs> and at that point, I'm maybe resigned to staying up the entire knife with a flashlight and a knife. <laughs> but so we really don't have anything uh, to do except uh, sit in the tent and listen. I'm at that point really, really grateful for the bed of leaves around us mm-hmm. because nothing is going to be able to get anywhere close without us uh, hearing it come up on us. And after about another half an hour of uh, sitting there, I we don't hear any more calls and I'm able to not exactly uh, relax, but uh, start to doze off or at least you know close my eyes and hope that sometime in the next couple of hours I'm going to sleep. Then I... I realized that I'm like feeling light against the uh, backs of my eyelids. I open my eyes, and the entire western side of our tent is illuminated, and I can see the um, silhouettes of leaves uh, playing across the nylon. So I sit up at that point and open the tent and lean out, and there is a light pointed at us it looks like a like something incandescent it doesn't look like an led it looks but it looks focused it's not the it's not lighting up the rest of the woods it's only lighting up this corridor pointing directly at our tent mm-hmm. and i think that uh someone might be you know coming up on our uh camp with a flashlight uh, before we had uh, pitched camp, I realized that this, uh, where we were on the, uh, in the Susquehannock Forest, was uh, bordering private property. Somebody's uh, cabin was over to the northwest, I think. So I think that maybe this person was coming out to check us out. I don't know why they would do it at night. So I just watched the light for probably about 30 seconds, but it doesn't move. My immediate impression was that it was fairly close to us, maybe like 50 yards or so. But it's if so, then the person that has the flashlight would have been holding it just off the ground. It looked like it was either coming from just off the ground, or I knew that the ground behind that dropped away. So it was either somebody holding a light just off the ground, or a light that was maybe 20 feet up in, in the trees. Hmm. It was definitely close enough that we should have heard somebody approaching if, you know, it was a person. And I just watched this light for maybe uh, 45 seconds, a minute. And I decide suddenly that this is a uh, floodlight from the neighbor's <laughs> from the neighbor's house. That maybe they had just come home and they had a motion-activated light or had a light on their porch and were just had it on. Okay. And... I tell my friend as much, and we just bed back down, and maybe a couple minutes later, the light goes off, and eventually we go back to sleep. Nothing else happens really for the the rest of the night. However, I do wake up periodically throughout the night, and I hear those uh, whooping screams way out in the distance, just continuing on through the night. I've heard that maybe another three times. Never again anywhere close to us, but I just kept hearing that. Mm Mm-hmm. Come morning, 
I uh, get up and we head out <laughs> to start uh, picking up the camp. And I realized that the light was point that was pointed at us was at a 90 degree angle to the opening flap on the tent. The neighbor's cabin that's off a ways in the woods was maybe 45, 50 degrees off of that. That it was completely in a different place. I unfortunately had not uh, kept track of where everything was in relation to our tents right. before we had bedded down. That's now something I do every time. Right, right. <laughs> but it was absolutely impossible that that light was coming from their house. So I went a little bit closer, got as close as I could without uh, trespassing onto their property to see if they had a driveway that arced down that way, if you know there was a way that a car had been pointed in our direction or they had uh, some lights anchored in a tree somewhere. And their driveway doesn't come anywhere near that. There's only forests all the way that direction. Wow. So someone was either standing there, mm-hmm. which is weird, <laughs> yeah, or something else. Yeah, I kept running through different ways that's... I could explain this. Like, if this um, this person who lives bordering the Susquehannock Wilderness area decides they uh, want to check out the campers that are um, on state lands, first off, why are they going to wait until nightfall to do it? Mm-hmm. You know, this is not a place where you can really approach somebody's uh, campsite or property at night and expect good things to happen, obviously. Right, right. That is against so many levels of etiquette. I could not believe that somebody who lives in this place, kind of isolated in their own right, is going to do that uh, to campers who are on private, or uh, sorry, public land. Generally, just don't walk into somebody's campsite or up on somebody's mm-hmm. campsite. And even if you did... If they're shining the light on the tent and you pop your head out, at that point you say, oh, I'm sorry, hey, I was just trying to see what you were doing. Yeah, if it had been somebody with a flashlight, that then that person tiptoed through a mile of dead leaves without a light, got uh, within uh, 100 yards of our, 50 yards maybe, of our campsite, turned on the lights, watched us for a couple of minutes and then turned off the light and made a perfect exit completely silently. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's highly unlikely. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's unlikely someone would just stand there with the light. Like even if they wanted to check out your tent, they wouldn't just stand there with the light motionless mm-hmm. kind of aimed at your tent for or however long, you know? Yeah. And if somebody's trying to scare us, they're probably going to do more than that. And again, I can't get past the idea that they could not get to that point without having made enough noise to alert us. Right. Yeah. Through all the driving. And there are no roads back there. There is absolutely nothing it could have been. And I'm at an absolute loss. Did you go to the area where you thought the light was shining from? Yep. Nothing but trees. (laughs) No disturbance in the leaves or anything that you could see. Not that I could see, no. Mm -hmm. I looked around. I looked uh, farther back in that direction. There were some deer trails that I could make out, and we had seen some deer off in that direction before nightfall. But It was the rare Pennsylvania flashlight deer. Oh, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've heard that they can come out in October, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's weird. That's really and it, that kind of stuff where you like and you wake up and you realize, wait, that couldn't have been there. It's a little disconcerting. And yeah, what disconcerts me even more is how did I think that that was a floodlight, and how did I think that uh, that was the neighbors coming home? This it was a focused beam. It looked like a searchlight. It didn't look like 
uh, anything you would use to light an area, and there was absolutely nothing illuminated except the swath of forest leading up to our tents. Mm-hmm. And somehow I decide it's nothing. Go back to sleep. Yeah, that's a little odd too. The just you know leaning back on our experiences, like at Site Seven and stuff. The first few times we went there, we did stuff like that to try to figure out what the lights were. Oh, maybe it's, you know, maybe we're seeing lights on a, you know, mountain across the river. Maybe there's a residence back there we don't know about. Maybe there's some kind of game cam with a flashing cam or a flashing LED or on it or something. You know, we went through all these different things until finally we just eliminated every possibility. And after a while, you go, there's nothing else. It's good. I mean, it's, it's something <laughs> weird because there's nothing man-made that can do what we were looking at. Mm-hmm. But we went through that same kind of like reasoning where you go, okay, well, maybe it's something. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Mm-hmm. So- and as for the calls, I, um, if anyone has any explanations, I would absolutely love to hear it. I spent maybe two hours after we got home listening through all of the different recordings of uh, Fauna that I could uh, get my hands on to try to identify anything that it might have been. And I'm still pretty familiar with uh, with owls and all the noises that anything that ought to be in those forests would be likely to make. Uh, when I came across more recordings of uh, barred owls, I thought I had maybe found a uh, solution because I'd seen files that were labeled monkey uh, chatter and mm-hmm. a siren call. But it sounds absolutely nothing alike. Yeah. Nothing alike. And I've never heard, again, I've never heard an owl that has like opera singer force behind it. Right. There's the clip that Wes plays on Sasquatch Chronicles sometimes that sounds a lot like what you, you kind of. Uh, yeah. I, I also there. went back and started re listening to your uh, Devil's Creek episodes, and that was closer than any anything else I could find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, very, very interesting. Hard. I mean, who can say, but when it doesn't match known sounds. Was that your last visit to the area then? No, I did actually go back one time more. This was actually a few days ago. I uh, decided I would dip my toe back in and go for an afternoon hike and not hang around after nightfall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and really nothing uh, too much to report. The whole area, it kind of just felt asleep, if that makes it, if that it, makes any sense. It actually does. Yeah, it really <laughs> does. I've used similar... Uh... I think I said dead in terms of Site 7 before we've been up there. It's just been I like, see. there's nothing here. There's nothing to you know, nothing to see, nothing to do. Mm-hmm. I uh, did hang around after nightfall because this time the sky was clear, and I thought we would be, I would be remiss not to bring out the tripod and get some long exposure shots of the sky. And I did hear what sounded like a lot of coyote packs yipping and screaming, mm-hmm. which it didn't make me feel any better uh, just because those sounded absolutely and completely different from what we heard. I was kind of uh, hoping to hear, you know, something that would tip me in a direction of uh, being able to explain what I'd heard the first time. Right. But no, this, it was just coyotes. I've heard that before. You have plans to go back? I'm hoping to sometime. One of these days I might try to pluck up my courage and stay overnight again. (laughs) Very, very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I might have to go check this place out. Sounds very interesting. Ever in the area, please let me know. I'll be able to show you exactly where it happened. Awesome. That sounds good. Victor, thank you so much for sharing your stories. No problem. Thanks for having me back. Your friends at American Daydream 
yes. antiques, which has a stand, features many, many Strange Familiar's products, including my books, some prints of mine, and more. But the owners... They're about to have puppies. Possibly quite a few. <laughs> Maybe you know somebody who's about to own puppies, about to be a new puppy owner. They could be whirlwinds of destruction, you know, manic little creatures. They just need to be taught. Incredibly cute. <laughs> That's the redeeming thing, because if in any other capacity, they would just be, yeah, like, <laughs> if just a force blew in and made that kind of destruction, you'd be angry at it, but like a little fuzzy thing. I know. So whether they're mouthing and biting, or whether you need help with potty training, or whether they're exhibiting fear and nervousness, if they're barking too much, if the puppy's chewing on furniture, shoes, or other things they shouldn't be chewing on. If you need help with crate training, hyperactivity issues, lease training, whatever it is you need help with, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you and your puppy become perfect for each other. They've got online sources. They've got video lessons. They've got a secret Facebook group. And they have years and years of training experience. So if you need help training your puppy, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy. Again, you can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. Holy Moses. (laughs) So says, I'm guessing the scared female in the picture. Yeah, that seems like the appropriate response to what's happening in this photo. This is a stereo view which shows some sort of creepy, ghoulish guy. I think he's supposed to be a ghost or some sort of creepy guy. He's popping out from behind the headboard and scaring three girls. I would say that right now this is also like a cautionary tale about having opaque headboards. <laughs> or room behind your headboard. That, or room behind, yeah, that, yeah. That someone could fit. Unless it's an ethereal being and it's just coming through the wall, in which case... Yeah, then you really have no protection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. These girls are adorable. Look, they've got striped tights on. And there's even a chamber pot under the bed. Oh, look, there is. <laughs> they might need that if they're not scared. <laughs> they almost look like little fairies because they're sort of like... One's so scared she's up on the footboard of the... Is that the footboard, I guess? Headboard and footboard? Is it the same as tombstones? <laughs> Let's like say Like a headstone yes. and footstone. <laughs> so... I love these old uh, scenes like this and these stereo views. And you may be wondering, why is he selling this one? Because I have doubles. Oh, I was going to say, I was curious as to why you have another one. Okay. Yes. This is the kind of thing I collect. We will put this in our Etsy shop. If you look in the show notes under this episode at strangefamiliars.com, you can see an image of this stereo view. If you click on that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop and you can purchase this ghoul We'll say, <laughs> scaring these little girls. While you're at Etsy, we just restocked the Strange Familiars patches. I personally think they look pretty amazing. They've got the Awoken Tree logo on them. You can put them on your pack, put them on your coat. You can watch as Tim struggles for an entire evening to sew something, sew one of them onto something, which is also, that would be a fun reality show. <laughs> <laughs> The you're idea, thorough. you're thorough. The idea is to to make it so frustrating that, that someone else does that, it for that you. That you you get yeah. so frustrating to watch that you get frustrated yourself. Just let me do it, and you say, "Give me that," and then you do it for me. 
Do they tell men that? Like in elementary <laughs> school? Also in her Etsy shop, all of my books, the Bigfoot Big Heart greeting cards. A lot of people have been asking on Etsy for specific sizes of shirts, and all I can say is that they are on the way. Absolutely. And we so, should have restocks very and we'll, soon. we'll talk about it on the podcast as soon as they're here. Yeah, we'll have every size, small through 3XL. They're coming soon. Our Etsy shop name is Lost Grave, one word. But if you type in Strange Familiars, our stuff will come up, of course. While you're on Etsy, make sure to check out Ruck Rapid Outdoors. That's Chad's shop. Check out Karmic Garden. It's our friends with the flannel man and strange familiars scents of soaps and scented candles and you name it. Go ahead and check them out. Karmic Garden. I think we're going to have a bonus episode this week. That'll be for everybody. So we'll be back very soon with another episode of Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you'd like to hear more or purchase music by Stone Breath, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, and you can always find us at strangefamiliars.com.
you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.